Ryan, it's so close to the day that we get to tell all the people of LA about all the weird shit. Yes. Is, that, is that what we're, our entrance music on the 30th? I'm feeling like the soundtrack to Jock Jams is coursing through my veins. That's how excited I mean, I am. I mean, I'm DJing, so I could, that could be arranged. I'm here for it. October 30th, we're playing a show in LA at the Satellite. Uh, Ian Abramson is going to be doing some comedy. Ooh. Lydia Liza is going to be doing some musical comedy. Some singing. <laughs> Friend of the show. We're going to be doing a live podcast. It's going to be great. Uh, if you want to come, you can get tickets right now at whatifpodcast.com slash L-A. That's the letter L followed by the letter A. The tickets are only uh, eight bucks, eight, ten bucks? Eight bucks. Eight bucks. Eight that's bucks a, if you get them now. That's just silly. If you wait till the day of, they're going to be ten, so you might as well get them now and make yourself some night before Halloween plans. We're going across the country and doing a show with two it. openers for eight dollars? I can't believe what it. What are we doing? It's so cheap, you can't afford not to buy it. Come see us in LA. We'd love to see you at the satellite on October 30th. Uh, be there or be bummed you missed out. All right, welcome to the What If Podcast. Uh, your host tonight are going to be, uh, God damn it, uh, Spencer, Worth Davis, and uh, Ryan Craprat. <laughs> Hit him with the crap rat. Deet. Hit him with the crap rat. Hit him with the crap rat. One time, one time. Hit him with the crap rat. What's up, man? Hi, buddy. How are you? I'm feeling great. Sweet. Happy. We're talking about some weird shit today that I got real excited about. It's it's, it's just like any day we record. You're excited about some weird shit, bud. It's the second week in a row, though, that I've been like, oh, this topic might be cool. And then about 20 minutes into researching, I'm like, holy oh, shit. fuck yeah. What about this thing? <laughs> they put turtles on the moon. What about this shit? <laughs> I got to tell them about the moon turtles. Moon turtles. Um, and here we are. And here we are. I, okay, so before we dive into it, though, speaking of weird shit, I have to tell you a story. Okay. It's related to the sound of a can opening that you just opened. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, listeners, uh, a little little peek behind the curtain. Uh, I We record, and I, tra- I travel to Spencer's studio to record the show. Mm-hmm. I will often bring beverages of some kind to... We, we live about a mile apart, and there's yeah. a liquor store in between our two yeah. homes. A little, little bit of booze, grease the wheels, have a little fun recording. And uh, I'm at a I'm at a liquor store near our houses, mm-hmm. and it's empty except for the guy behind uh, behind the counter, and he is obviously turned by the time I get up there because I can smell booze just like emanating out of this guy. The guy working at the liquor yeah, for store for sure. Oh, okay. I yeah, don't yeah. think you're supposed to do that. Well. <laughs> All right, fair. It's it's a uh, it's not the liquor store between us. It's a liquor store a little bit further that way, and I think you know the vibe at the liquor store that's further that way. I'm not sure which one you mean, but we'll figure it out later. Okay. Uh so <laughs> I'm like I still don't out. think you're supposed to drink at work, but No, <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, I'm for sure. I'm self-employed. I do it all the time. This one's a, yeah, you you've earned that, right? Uh this one just a little, you know, it's a little it's a little on the dicier side, I'll sure, say. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, guy behind the counter while I'm checking out, getting just like two sixers of beer, just out of nowhere, all of a sudden goes, man, ah, oh, I missed 420. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I go, I go oh. <laughs> like, like as if, like, I think when he was pulling up the, like the digital cash register, he had noticed the time and, and oh, I, yeah, and I gotta oh. be honest in the moment, I was like, 
I mean, I know what 420 is. By I, like six months, you're almost closer to the next okay, one, Okay, so the first thing I thought was the date. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, wait, what do you mean? He was like, oh, 420. That's just usually my smoke break, but I missed it. Mm. And then I was like, oh, okay, you're talking about going out this afternoon. But then I looked at my watch. It was like, it was like 606. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, bro, buy a fucking lot. Not like, six months at least, though. Yeah. But still, <laughs> two, I was two like, hours is a lot better than six months. I was like, are you this drunk at work that 95 <laughs> minutes went by and you were like, oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> like, there's just nothing. Oh, I missed 420. Like, you just say that to people normally, and then you're like... Hopefully he's working on, like, a... a, He doesn't work there, and he's just doing some, like, situational comedy out in the world. I mean, it worked for... Because it's a damn good bit. It worked for me, because I definitely walked into the parking lot and literally laughed out loud. Like, I waited until I was away from this guy, but I definitely laughed out loud because Uh, I was just blown away by this man missing his smoke break by almost two hours and suddenly realizing it while he was talking to me. Two hours or six months. Yeah. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt and assume two two hours, hours, but... Still not doing great, Maybe he smokes one cigarette every April 20th. Oh, sure. (laughs) That's, that's his one holiday. I wait till 2020. Well, and then you'll get him next year, bud. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, here we are. That brought me joy. And here we are sipping a beer and talking about more weird shit. I don't know. I don't know where to begin with this one. We're talking about the, <sighs> the lost cosmonauts, uh, conspiracy theory, sort of real thing that happened, but we're not quite sure in yeah, which ways. It, the funny thing about it is that everybody refers to it as a conspiracy theory, But it's not a conspiracy theory because we know that there are at least one, if not many, Russian cosmonauts who died in the process of the space race, and we know that the Soviets covered it up for many years. Like that, those are verified true facts. But that's not usually what people are referring to. Well, when they talk about the lost cosmonauts, I guess what I mean is like, if conceptually, if that's your definition, that astronauts died and their deaths were covered up and not like released during the during the space race that shit's true that's factual we didn't learn that till 20 plus years later but that shit's true yeah so it just gets a lot more complicated after that right and there's there are some varying degrees well and things that are uh difficult or impossible to confirm also maybe do you want to start with the stuff that we know for sure well let's do let's just do a little bit of background on the space race first for, okay for the un uninformed because sure. i needed a little bit of a refresher um we talk about the space race is 1955 through 1972 yeah and the start of it in 55 was because the u.s and the soviet union within a few days of each other announced that they were going to put artificial satellites into orbit within the next year or two. Yep. And so it became, uh, who's going to dominate space first. Right. And then there were many layers, which were who was going to put something in space first, which ended up being Sputnik in 57. Is democracy or is communism a better, uh, rule of a populace? I I just meant even like how we were going to uh, measure this. So it was like first artificial satellite, first manned mission, um uh, man on the moon then putting someone on the moon and like other derivatives of those things like right 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 orbiting how many orbits how long were you up there for we can put a woman in space uh, right 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 uh and all these different layers and i guess what i yes totally there 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 are varying degrees of the accomplishments related to space specifically and then there's also varying degrees of like 
political and like military superiority right. and what it signified to who and, right yeah, yeah. and because this was also height of the cold war yes uh so yeah it was essentially 55 1955 to 1969 right when it sort of basically ended when we put uh apollo 11 on the moon uh yeah i have through 72 but i'm not sure they, what happened is that when in... apollo stopped maybe is that the end of the apollo missions that might have been it because then we started collaborating on like space stations and things not well not during the cold war still i guess yeah that's probably later yeah um yeah yes. 72 is probably the end of apollo i think if i'm guess if i'm speculating let me just let me just double check while you're doing that uh so 57 the russians or i guess the soviets at the time got the first uh advantage by putting sputnik which was the first artificial satellite to orbit the earth into orbit on october of 1957 october 4th 1957 mm-hmm. um they also got the first person into space that being yuri gagarin on april 12th of 1961 mm-hmm Two things I learned about Mr. Gergarin in the uh, in the process of researching this episode. Yes. He had just turned 27 when he went to space. Wow. Like, like a week prior. That's so much younger than I thought. Um, there's also a fascinating di- uh, biography about him called Starman uh, that I'll link to in the show notes. Um, yeah, so he just turned 27. Also, he was five foot two. He's an itty bitty guy. And the yes, Soviets, hello, you are small. We would like to put you in the rocket. Literally, they only the capsule they were using, the Vostok capsule, could only accommodate people up to five foot seven, and who weighed less than one hundred and fifty pounds. He's like a horse jockey. Yeah, you had to be under five seven and under a hundred. It was like one hundred and fifty or one hundred fifty five pounds. That's crazy. So you you had to be little little bitty people. Apollo 17 was the last Apollo mission and flew on December 7th of 1972. So that's probably the the marker that whatever source you found is using as the end of it. I think you're right. Cool. Uh, so yeah, he went into space on April 12th, 1961 mm. um, in a Vostok 1 capsule. That's V-O-S-T-O-K. Which is also, like, we could do whole episodes on so many parts of this. Totally. This capsule is fucking nuts. Tell me more. It's seven and a half feet wide. I, lit- e- I literally just shuddered, <laughs> and that was not for show. Like, it literally just, I had a moment of, like, being inside it, and I got real claustrophobic and scared. On the exterior. So the interior is... Oh, even- God! <laughs> the interior is even smaller. Oh, God. And you are just, there's one seat in it, and you're just strapped to a chair in the middle of a seven and a half foot diameter ball. Could there be anything more terrifying? I don't think so. I don't think so either. You're up there solo. I mean, you can unstrap yourself from the chair, obviously, but like, there's just... With with room to move basically nowhere. You could stand... I mean, so you've got seven and a half feet. It's a circle or a sphere, so you've got seven and a half feet in all directions, essentially, or right. seven. Right. So if you're five foot two, you can stand up and take a step in either direction, sort of. You mean float up. Sure. <laughs> uh, but there's also, you know, there's tons of instrumentation and there's there are panels on all the walls and the chair occupies much of the actual floor space. Yeah, for sure. And there's no flat surface anywhere in there because it's spherical. What are you going to write on? Uh, I guess I actually probably the wall. learned other things about that today. Yes. While we're just 
tangenting all over the place. Hey, we're talking about space today, y'all. The United space. States spent a shitload of money trying to develop a pen that a could work in pen. space. Yeah. yeah. And the Russians are like, fuck it, we'll just use pencils. Oh. But then the the graphite dust from the pencils actually fucked up their air filtration systems. Oh, no way. So developing the space pen turned out to be worthwhile. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense. Like, it's a, it's a pretty uh, particular atmosphere you've got inside that seven-foot sphere, I would yeah, think. Yeah, highly curated, and you're mm. probably, I mean, if you're in space, you're probably taking lots of notes and doing calculations. Yeah. And, so yeah. I also learned that that flight, uh, Gagarin's flight on April 12th of 61, was his only space flight. It was obviously his first because it was everyone's first. He got it done, bro. But he never went again. And he he just did, uh, he did like, ah, fuck. It was like two and a half orbits of the planet. He, yeah. was, not, he was up there for, well, I think it was like under an hour. Yep. And then came right then back he, down and then never went again. You know, you know what he probably did? They were like, Yuri, this is awesome. You're like, you're the Soviet champion, like flyer. We could, uh, you know, we could do this like once a year. And he just looked at him and he said, fuck you. No. So he really, <laughs> he really wanted to. Oh, what? He wanted to fly more. What? And he was, uh, one of the backup crew on the Soyuz one mission, which, uh, ended up killing the person on board. Yeah. And, uh, the USSR just said, Fuck it, you're not flying. You are like the representative of us internationally. Oh. Because he became a huge international celebrity after right. being the first person in space. Makes sense. And the Soviets are like, well, we can't have you go die the right, next right. time we put somebody in space. We were okay at this once and yeah. not okay at it after that. So they didn't let him fly anymore. And he fought for a long time to be able to even fly regular planes because he was a oh, pilot yeah. prior to being a cosmonaut. Sure. They eventually let him, uh, he had to go back to school, and then they let him fly planes again, starting in 68. Mm. Five weeks after they let him start flying again, he died in an airplane crash. Wow. So he died at like, he was 34 or 35. Damn. The next time he flew after going to space, basically. Not the next time, but. Damn, dude. He started flying again, and then five weeks later died in a plane crash. Are you not like. And. The reason for the crash is still unknown. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. 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 I'm saying, man, there are like hmm. lots of different roads. Layers on layers yeah. on layers. Yeah. So yeah, Yuri was five two and uh, like a buck thirty something. Interesting. interesting. And originally was had almost failed out of pilot school before he went to be a cosmonaut. Okay. Until he was allowed to use a, a cushion to sit on in the cockpit because he couldn't land because he couldn't see. Oh, the he couldn't see guy. the ground. Oh, poor <laughs> he guy. Oh, <laughs> he needed a phone book. He needed a phone book so he could drive the car. Sad. Um, quote while we we're just talking about Yuri. Yep. Quote from he wrote an autobiography also, which is Ooh, uh, available on the old internet. Lit. But a, a quote from him describing what it sounded like to uh, launch the Vostok oh. capsule from the ground. I bet I bet he like went deaf. Because this seven and a half foot ball was sitting on top of multiple rockets. 
You know? Yeah. Yeah, and, that's how he uh, got up there. He said, quote, I heard a whistle and an ever-growing din and felt how the gigantic rocket trembled all over and very slowly began to tear itself off the launching pad. The noise was no louder than you'd get in a jet plane, but it had a greater range of musical tones and timbres no composer could hope to score. Damn, that's fire. Yeah. That's a great quote. <laughs> Dude, that makes you want to go so bad, doesn't it? Yep. <laughs> I'm although, looking at Spencer going just like, got me up there. Although, like, knowing that that's because you're sitting on top of a rocket that's just been lit, probably less fun. I mean... It's probably fun if you're okay with the gravity of the situation. Obviously, he was down at that point. Yeah, right. Yeah, like he if knew, you're, he knew what he was getting into. If you're down to clown, like well, you're there for the cause. That's the crazy part, though. Like no one exactly knew what they were getting into. Nobody knew exactly what they were getting into, but everybody knew that there was like a distinct chance they could die at any with, moment. That part, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last thing about Yuri for me, uh, I learned today that. Kennedy banned him from the United States. Oh, that was a dick move. Mm, he was salty. Well, he went on like Gargarin went on this international look at me first guy in space publicity tour. Yeah. And, and Kennedy he, not only didn't allow that to happen, he just was like, you can never come to the United States. Go fuck yourself. I kind of actually, that's a level of petty <laughs> that I kind of respect. <laughs> I'm the president. I can say that you can't come here. That's a level of petty. I'm kind of down for um, Do you have any uh, Gagarin insights? No, not really. I mostly okay. was looking at uh, the stuff that happened. Well, the idea is, I guess, the so premise. That's, that's the official first person to ever go to space. Yeah. And I guess the premise of what we're talking about today with Lost Cosmonauts is the idea that uh, there were other people before Yuri who technically made it into space in the efforts to reach the moon and reach space oh dang that we don't know about because yeah in the process of the space race the idea is that the soviet union was testing and i guess the hypothesis or you know the the theory is that they were testing maybe a little bit more recklessly than we were in such a way where people died in the process of them trying to figure shit out mm-hmm. and that from an optics perspective, it would have looked really bad for them to be like, yeah, we put a guy up there. I mean, we lost like 15 people <laughs> along the way, but God, I'll be goddamned if we didn't be, get like somebody up there first. And that's one way to do it faster, right? You got to throw have no regard for human life, throw dead bodies at it. Ugh. Sorry. Well, live ones, hopefully. Well, except that dummy guy, he's fucking creepy. Ivan Ivanovich. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, but, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the, the Soviets were uh, bypassing some safety measures. Be like, for does the this sake work? Of, yeah, for does the this sake work? of expediting does that process. Does this work? Yeah, for sure. If you're, if, you're, uh, if you're cool losing some people and scrubbing their existence from your records, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to test things and go, did that work or did it not work? You could do that at a way faster clip than running through everything you need to run through on the ground right. to to test things. So the the scrubbing people from the records part is really interesting. And it's part of what I think we should probably start off with here, which is the stuff we know that happened that led to this theory. Mm-hmm. And I think where you're going to start is with doctored photos 
that rendered Russian or sorry, Soviet cosmonauts out of photos with other cosmonauts. Yeah. So there were lots of, uh, potential cosmonauts or cosmonaut trainees yep. who did not end up actually ever going to space. Right. Right. Because like even with, well, especially with Gargarin, but then, uh, after that as well, like there were, they started with, uh, it was something like the initial pool was like several hundred that, oh, all, word. that got pared down to smaller and smaller numbers. I think and they actually trained like a dozen and then Gargarin was the one who actually went up. Okay, I I remember seeing at one point it was like 21 or something like that. Yeah, that actually like trains together? Yeah, okay. I think it was something like okay. that. Um, but so they were, they were big groups of potential cosmonauts, not all of whom ended up actually becoming cosmonauts for one reason or another. Right. Sometimes due to death or injury, but other times because they flunked out or were disqualified for... Some physical reason or whatever. Some some places reference uh, like bad behavior. Like these were young guys who were maybe like a little too careless or maybe a little. One dynamic that I hadn't originally considered with all this is that the Russia or the Soviet space program was part of their military, mm. whereas NASA is not in the United States, right? So they were technically all under military military supervision and were part of the Soviet military. And that's actually a perfect addition to this portion of the story because in some of the photos of this group that were doctored, one of them is of Yuri Gargarin shaking the hand of one of the leads of the Soviet space program. Mm -hmm. And the military general... <laughs> who is adjacent to both of them in between their handshake has been rendered out of the photo. Yeah. Because it was not, none of this was public knowledge at the time. And it was also less cooth for them to make it a military operation when we were not making it a military operation. That part was known though. Which part? The fact that it was under the umbrella of the Soviet military. That was not secretive, but they were taking steps to make it less in your face sure. that that was the case, I guess. It would be like if we didn't have NASA and all of our space stuff was just part of the Air Force. Right. Right. Which, I think, was it ever that way? I don't know, actually. Did it get absorbed in and then pushed back out at some point? I would have thought the other way, that maybe it started as military and became its own entity at some point. I but should I, really know more about the history of NASA. But I feel like it I started it so, like so in tandem with this whole thing i don't know yeah. um so yeah people would get i'm assuming it's airbrushed or uh somehow sure as fuck wasn't show photoshop physically removed from these photos yeah it looked like sometimes they were um maybe like just straight up not developing parts of the prints yeah like they're like letting it blur out. Yeah, or something that used to have background information is now just like white black. Out. Yeah. yeah, it's like super overexposed or whatever. Yep. Um but one of those more ominous instances of someone being removed from a photo was a guy named Valentin Valentin Bondarenko. Bondarenko. Bondarenko was a cosmonaut in training and died on March 23rd of 1961. 
in the middle of a experiment where he was spending 15, he was supposed to spend 15 days inside a low pressure altitude chamber. So it was this sealed environment, uh, with very low pressure and a very oxygen rich environment to try and emulate what the inside of a spacecraft would be like. Right. Cause you're for, getting artificial oxygen pumped in there and it's going to be super low pressure cause you're not dealing with gravity. And at this point they hadn't had anyone actually in space for more than a couple hours at a time. Right. And they, uh, and they're like, Oh, if we're going to be going to the moon or orbiting for long times, what effect does that have on the human body? Right. Can someone do it for two weeks and survive? Right. Um, as he was cleaning himself up one day, he had uh, electrodes on him to like monitor his physical state. Yeah, vitals. He was taking one off and cleaning it with uh, like a cotton ball and rubbing alcohol to like get the sticky off of your skin. Yeah, it sucks, man. You rip your hairs out. You know, you got to get the sticky off. Uh, he takes the cotton ball and just sort of like tosses it. And it lands on a hot plate that is on because he's making tea and it catches on fire. Bruh. He then makes the problem worse by trying to smother the fire. Well, and it's like super essential that this is an oxygen rich environment. So any flame is burning with a intensity and like a difficulty to put out that is unmatched in our like normal day to days. The atmosphere inside his, uh, chamber was about 50% oxygen. Yeah. So he tries to smother it and his wool clothes catch on fire and he's on fire. Right. With no way to put himself out. Right. And no one can get to him without killing him because he's in this pressurized chamber and just to open the door took 30 minutes. Because if they had just cranked the door open he would have died from the rapid depressurization. Right. So in those 30 minutes, he gets third degree burns over most of his body and he ends up dying the next day. Yes. I have like, I have one extremely gruesome detail about that, that I, I don't was going to skip that part. Okay. All right. We can skip it. The guy burned to death. It's gross. It's horrible. He, yeah, he, yeah, they were like, they were trying to IV treat him by using his feet because he had boots on. And that was like the, like the easiest place that they could access his veins. Like it was that. That is the part I was going to skip. Yep. All right. I'm sorry. I'm just saying like, I I don't know. I guess I'm not trying to be gruesome for the sake of being gruesome. I figured I'm just, a man burned alive was probably gruesome enough. But. I know. I, I guess all I'm trying to say is like, I know it's a gruesome detail, but it's, it's like the gravity of everything that they were doing was so intense because they were just dealing with all of these like really intense. I mean, all the conditions were so intense because they were emulating these fucked up space conditions. They were in space and things were fucked up. Like there was some quote that I didn't grab and I should have, but it was some quote about, I think they wrote it about him specifically actually. And it was about like, uh, the people on the forefront are always, the most valiant because they deal with all of like the mistakes that happen in the process of trying to figure this shit out. I, I think that's essentially what I meant when I, earlier when I said like no one really knew what they were getting into. Right. Cause you're just, t- everything is a test. Like almost everything you're doing is a test and, and tests go right and they go wrong. Right. And it has to, humans have to do it. Right. Because we're 
sending humans to places. Right. Um, so a human has to has to experience it for other humans to be able to experience it safely. So Bondarenko's death was not reported at the time. And he was edited out of photographs and films of cosmonauts in training. Yeah. And we didn't get any information about this until after the fall of the Soviet Union. It was so for the, the decades. 19th, yeah. No one knew that this person existed unless, you know, you were his family or knew him before he started this cosmonaut training. Right. There was Russian documents that were declassified in the eighties that acknowledged his existence and the incident itself. There was a, um, an accident during training for Apollo, the Apollo one mission. Oh wait, sorry. Bondarenko got a crater named after him on the far side of the moon, which I actually think is kind of oh, cool. That is cool. I'm assuming that happened much later. It did happen. It was like, uh, I think it was a shared, Hey, like he participated and, you know, Died in a horrible way in service of us learning about yeah. how to get to space, and uh, he was forgotten for too long. And in service of that, like let's let's give him a place on the moon, which I think is actually really cool. Real quick, let's take a break to hear from Space and Beyond Box. Oh yeah, Spencer, what's up, buddy? I'm going to give you a gift. Sick. It's a gift of knowledge, but it's knowledge about other knowledge you can get. Okay. I'm going to tell you about Space and Beyond Box. Sick. It's a brand new company that is sending out quarterly boxes that are space themed. You get five or more high quality astronomy themed products at 30% off retail prices in every single quarterly box. What do I get if I sign up for like the first one? There's, do we know? Is it a mystery? There's globes and there's models and there's space rocks, which I've always wanted to own one of. <laughs> And there's posters and there's more. I think I'm pretty sure on the website we found a light up moon globe, which Damn. sounds pretty freaking sick and would look really good in our studio. If you're listening. Great point. Space and beyond box. The, holiday, we, the holidays are coming up. Spa oh, get you guys a fucking globe. That's that's a great time for that. Uh, space and beyond box. We we want to we want a moon globe so we can stare at the moon and dream about it. If you go to space slash giveaway before December 14th, you you can sign up for a chance to win a one-year subscription to the box. That's four boxes in four one times. year. Four quarters. One 20, year. 20 amazing space things that will help you be a smarter, more informed, happier person. Heck yeah. They're also giving uh, they're also giving away five first free boxes. So uh, go check out more details. Uh, certain exclusions do apply. It's at spaceandbeyondbox.com slash giveaway. And make sure to check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Space and Beyond Box. Go get some. So we know that the Soviets were covering up um, situations, accidents, tests that would not have looked good right. in a PR sense. And or that would have, uh, I guess, instilled any sort of confidence in the Americans at the same time. Yeah, li literally rendering cosmonauts non-existent mm -hmm. in the service of their program as a whole looking better. Right. Which is almost more fucked up when you do take into consideration that they were essentially soldiers. They were enlisted military members. Yeah. Just being erased because they died because of no nothing that they even did. Just yep. like things inherent to the job they were doing. Right. 
crazy. Um, yeah, but Apollo one, three Apollo one astronauts died in a somewhat similar accident in 1967. Yep. Where they were inside a pressurized capsule, uh, with a very oxygen rich atmosphere, a fire started, they weren't able to get out because it was pressurized. And I read, I've read some speculation that, uh, had Bondarenko's accident in 61 been publicized, maybe some other future Um, accidents, including the Apollo one could have been avoided or handled differently. That's interesting. If they had the information that the Soviets had. I mean, I would think that science at that point would be like, Hey, high pressure, high oxygen. That is the, the, yeah. How that claim is usually refuted. Yeah. Like that's fucking dangerous no matter what. NASA definitely knew that oxygen burns and that pressures are things. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. That they were. Yeah. I don't know. The, the other, uh, speaking of cover-ups, the other, or I guess in in my notes, like the last cover-up that happened was related to the Nadellian massacre. Did you see this? Or disaster? No. Or catastrophe? Or whatever you want to call it. I'm going to go with catastrophe. Sure, catastrophe. Um, there was a launch pad accident on October 24th of 1960. Okay. It was at the... Bike Nauer test range. Where's that? Uh, somewhere in Soviet Union. Okay. Um, they were preparing prototypes of missiles that were the R-16, and because there was overlap with the um, with the military and the space elements of the Soviets program, they were testing these missiles for range to be like, Hey, this could be intercontinental, but also if we shot it straight up, like what would happen? And could we put a capsule on it and send some, somebody way up there without making it blow up. And, uh, when they were prepping a test flight on this launch pad, uh, the second stage of the engine somehow accidentally ignited. And, it was in the preparation process for launch. So it was surrounded by people who were working on it when it Mm -hmm. exploded. And I've seen estimates in the hundreds. I've seen estimates in like the seventies for how many people actually died when this happened, but it was a really bad, uh, disaster. And Mm -hmm. this was another one where, um, news, entirely was suppressed of this ever happening and the Soviet Union didn't acknowledge uh the N- Nedelin or Nedelian or I don't I'm terrible at pronouncing this stuff but they didn't uh they didn't acknowledge it until 1989 and uh the Nedelin name comes after the chief marshal of artillery Mitrofan Ivanovich Nedelin who was basically running the launch pad site for the R-16s and was killed Mm. in the explosion as well. Um, But again, in service of the space race, a lot of people died, and they didn't talk about it for 30 years after it happened. Right. Again, in service of our space program is not burning people alive. It's not exploding hundreds of 
military and citizens and cosmonauts. We don't know if there were cosmonauts involved. Like we, as far as we know, it was just an R-16 missile that was being tested, but there could have been people who were in the program who were present, who were testing or, you know, it almost doesn't matter either. No, it does. It doesn't. It doesn't because it's all people who are, you know, aiming towards the same goals and well, and it, and it shows a pattern too of, uh, of a willingness to suppress information. Absolutely. Which is ultimately what this whole like conspiracy theory in quotes hinges on. Right. Right. It's an extension of something that we know was happening. We know that there were accidents exactly. that were, uh, information about those accidents was being suppressed and we can then speculate. Right. That there were some other things potentially going on. That we, yeah, I mean, we know that we don't know everything that was going on. So if they're suppressing information of dozens or possibly hundreds of people dying in an accident, what would it be to suppress information about one person dying in a test flight? Right. right. 100%. Which and- is really what the, the crux of this lost cosmonauts conspiracy theory is, um, is that Gagarin was not the first person in space. Right. But he was the first person to return alive from space. In a way that the Soviet Union felt like they could acknowledge, yeah, we got somebody up there and we got somebody back. Yes. And this looks good and we beat the Americans. Right. Uh, the origins of this specific version of this conspiracy are two or threefold. Yes. Um the first and I think flimsiest of them is comes from someone named Robert Heinlein, who is an author um, who was in Soviet Lithuania on May 15th, 1960, which happened to be uh, the day that uh, Corbel Sputnik one launched. And he claims that red army cadets told him that they had launched a person into space that day. Sick. Uh, he dug a little deeper and this claim was refuted after that by other higher ranking, uh, military officials. Yep. Um, but that Corbel Sputnik launch was carrying an Ivan Ivanovich dummy, which if you, uh, want to have a weird time, you should Google Ivan, Ivan Ivanovich have you seen photos of of this guy? Uh, I have seen one. Okay, I, he, so he feels very like. Do you remember those classic crash test dummy commercials they used to have in the U.S.? Yeah, he he reminds me of one of those. So it's a a dummy, uh, a mannequin, I guess. Very realistic looking as far as dummies or, or mannequins go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I you're mean, right. they, they yeah, like yeah, yeah. they painted actual f- facial features onto this person. It has hair. It That's has true. eyebrows. But he's got that rubbery kind of complexion that like a sure. that I mean, like a old crush test dummy had. Realistic by late fifties, early sixties standards. Sure, I guess. sure. And he's in a like a, a real what would otherwise be a fully functional spacesuit. Yep. And they they put these dummies into the Vostok capsules. The Sputnik capsule was uh, the immediate uh, predecessor to the Vostok capsules, which eventually carried Gagarin and others into space. Right. As a way to test, like, the ability of this capsule to actually sustain a person. Support the weight 
Yeah. Because it was, it was primarily a weight thing, wasn't it? Uh, I guess I don't know that specifically. Okay. Um, if you, I mean, if you're able to Google it and look at pictures, otherwise this thing was realistic enough that they felt the need to put a sign on it that said dummy. Sure. So that if it were, if it crashed and were recovered, uh, or if people just saw it laying around would know that it's not a real person in a suit. Cause especially with the visor down and like inside of a space suit. Sure. If you're just getting a glimpse of something or if like a capsule crashes and you're looking through a little porthole window yeah. at a person inside a vi- under a visor. Or if you're recovering something that has been like largely destroyed, you know, but like, yeah, right. Still, still relatively understandable as a human. So that, uh, Corbel Sputnik flight was actually the first time that one of these dummies had been used mm-hmm. in a launch. So it seems plausible that especially a cadet who already probably hadn't been around very long, wouldn't have access to much information about what was going on. Yep. Yep. Sees one of these things either being loaded into or inside of a capsule and says, holy shit, they put a guy in space this morning. Right. Right. Or like, that sounds like such an easy game of telephone to fuck up, you know, like they're, they're putting one of those dummy guys into space. Did I overhear a guy say they're putting a guy in space? Right. You know, um, one of these, I think the only surviving one, was auctioned at Sotheby's. Sick. In 1993. Yes. Want to take a guess at who bought it? Yeah, I don't know why I asked you. There's no way you can guess this. Wait. Ross, Ross Perot bought it. Ross Perot. I was going to say, I thought it was Bobby uh, Bobby Biggs. Oh, our, no. Our big buddy, Bobby Biggs. Uh, for our animal segment later, though, Robert oh, Bigelow did launch geez. Madagascar screaming cockroaches into outer space. Oh. I do not remember that, and I hate it. <laughs> uh, Ross Perot bought this thing for $190,000. What the fuck, Ross? And then loaned it to the National Air and Space Museum for 20 years, and then he took it back. Is Ross Perot still alive? Is that possible? I don't think so. It says he took it back in 2017. Is it the Ross Perot estate? I don't know. All right. Please hold. Breath and fuckery, bud. Breath and fuckery. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? No, yeah. Oh, he died. Oh, he died this summer. Oh, there we go. July 2019. How about that? Hmm. All right. So, yeah, he did. Uh, it's in the private collection of his estate somewhere, I guess. 89 years old. So, I think Heinlein's is probably a uh, a miscommunication or a misunderstanding. Sure. Sure. Based on a dummy. I don't think they actually launched a person into space that day. So, not to be like, I'm not trying to be the the conspiracy theorist here. No, please do. Usually that's my job. But I'm like, <sighs> <laughs> yes, we know they were putting dummies in these capsules and sending them into space. And yes, there's a good, like, easy out for... It was that mm-hmm. dummy, but that would also be a really convenient way to be sending human beings into space. And if they died, you just said there was a dummy in it. It wasn't a person. Sure. Like that's a really good and easy way to be able to have a cover up for that. No, no, no. Oh, you thought that we had a guy in there. Oh my gosh. We would never do that. So it was Ivan Ivanovich. 
It's fine. Uh, which translates roughly to uh, like John Joe, Johnson. John Johnson, yeah. And I guess is the Russian equivalent of our like John or Jane Doe. It's just a got it. Like a the default name for a sure, sure, sure person who doesn't have a name. Right. Um, one more uh, preview of our animal segment, please. On this thing flew on uh, March of nineteen sixty one. Accompanied by a dog named Chernushka, who cool. has their own Wikipedia entry, which is fantastic. News. Good for you. That's that's a dad dog's ghost blog. Fucking. Did you know you can still get? Uh, there are still like living dogs who are descendants of the Soviet space dogs, which also put it on the fucking list. Soviet space dogs. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Phenomenal. But you could theoretically get a puppy. Who's like great, 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 great granddad went to, went space. to space. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. he was accompanied by a dog named Chernushka, various reptiles, 80 mice, and guinea I'm pigs. Sorry. Hold on. I need to finish this sentence. It's very important. 80 mice and guinea pigs, some of which were placed inside his body. They stuffed the mannequin full of mice and guinea pigs, threw a couple of reptiles and a dog in for good measure and launched that son of a bitch into space. To what end? No idea. Also, how are the reptiles and the dog getting along up there? Probably not. Probably no one's getting along (laughs) well. You put 80 mice in a space suit, they're probably going to fucking murder each other. That's fucked up. Um, That's like we bought a zoo mixed with like the devil's rejects, man. They also put a tape recorder playing sound inside of the suit because they wanted to be able to test the communication system. So they had like an open mic inside the capsule with a recording playing from the space suit to see if like someone talking inside of the suit would get picked up by the microphone. Right. And like not to be whatever, but that would be a really good way if you were sending people up there to figure out if well, it works. No, no, no. It wasn't a recording of speech. It was like music. No, it was human voice tape recordings to test if radio worked. The first time it was not music. It was not speech, I guess. Maybe okay, later it, ones were. In my notes, in Gagar- Gagarin's biography, he mentions that at least uh, two of the Vostok missions were equipped with Ivan Ivanovich dolls and human voice tape recordings. Okay, so that must have been later. But the first one, they they played some, like, uh, choir music or something. So, like, I mean, I don't know, man. Does it make sense that you start with choir music and fucking lizards? And by the time that you're further down the road, you're doing, quote, unquote, Ivan Ivanovich dolls? Can you imagine if this thing crashes, which it's honestly pretty likely to do. Yes. And you don't really, you don't have control over where it's going to come down, right? Right. Say it lands in in a field in China somewhere. And somebody goes over to that thing and opens it up. A dog, a crocodile, a bunch of probably dead mice, a couple of guinea pigs, and a man in a suit who is like reading a recipe for soup. Waddle out, just all Mm -hmm. fucked up. Yeah, dude, I would... I'd go jump in the lake, man. You have to think that you're hallucinating or something, right? You're 100% insane at that point. Especially if you don't... Like, no one has been to outer space at this point. That's not even... I mean, like it's it's, not it's on people's thing. it's on people's radar. You know, people are trying to do it, but like that's uh, especially in like any remote location. Yeah, yeah, fucking crazy. Yeah, it would blow. It would absolutely like 
it would i can't say it more clearly it would blow your mind like yes. it would for real blow your mind yes yeah various reptiles i think Heinlein was probably getting weird side info i also think if you wanted to freely send John Doe fucking space cadets into space and see how they fared, a really good way to do that would be to like, here's our dummy doll and here's our fake audio tapes so yeah. that if anyone saw a person or heard audio, it would be really easily written off and you could send as many people as you wanted. I don't necessarily think that's what happened. I'm just saying it would be a pretty easy way to like work. make that a thing. We just talk about space dogs for the rest of the episode. No, we've got so many more things to talk about. We'll get to space. We'll get to space okay. dogs. All right. Uh, which which conspiracy thing do you want to get to next? Uh, I mean, I think it's probably a good time to talk about uh the Tory Burt recordings. Sure, sure. Um, to me, that's the other most. In- well, I guess now, nah, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's the one. Okay. There, there were a couple of brothers. Um, what were their names? They were the Judica Cordiglia brothers. Correct. One was named Achilles. Oh, pretty cool. Or a- I think it was single singular, actually. Achilles. That's no. the worst name I ever heard. Shots fired. Uh, <laughs> Plural, though. I fuck with it. It was John. No, hang on. Wait for it. Oh, I'm I'm waiting. I've on. got it. Achilles. It is singular. I thought it was singular. Heck, Achilles and Giovanni. Got it. Uh, so they claimed to have recorded for, uh, between May of 1960 and April of 1964 a bunch of transmissions from outer space, and they released nine of them publicly. Yeah, the uh, the the bros are Italians who uh, they set up an experimental listening station outside of Turin in the late 50s. Mm. And used a uh, no longer active, obviously, German bunker from World War II uh, at a site named Tory Burt, which is why these have come to be known as the Tory Burt recordings. Uh, so one of the things they recorded was uh, Sputnik 1. <laughs> now... I don't know. Uh, I'm in space. And uh, <laughs> so, one of the things I don't understand about this, and actually, this would probably be a good uh, question for our friend Dallas at uh, 20,000 Hertz. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I don't understand is when you say one of the things they recorded, I feel like I want to put like sprinkled gigantic allegedly's all over that because we know that they were amateur radio guys. Mm-hmm. And they released nine recordings over the period of four years. But what I don't know is, like, do we have any corroborating evidence that the recordings that they released sound like other people's recordings of the things they claim to have recorded? Does that well, make sense? Yes and no. I mean, some of the things they're claiming to have recorded, everyone else says never happened. But well, in the case that. of, like, the Sputnik one that you just heard... Uh, the radio frequency on which Sputnik was going to be transmitting yes. was public knowledge. Yes. So anyone could tune in and listen to 
the little beeping that Sputnik was sending back to the planet. Got it. So in that case, like that one can be verified. Sure, sure, sure. Some of these other ones, I, I no, I don't think there's any way to verify mm, it so because uh, it most likely didn't happen. Womp, womp, so womp, I, I, I just mean like no one else claims to have recordings of these things, so there's nothing to compare it to. Yeah, and and I think one of the one of the reasons that this has often been uh, I don't know what the word is rebutted or disproved or claimed as a hoax is because they're literally creating a scavenged radio station in a retro German bunker. And everyone's like, yeah, you know who else was listening on these radio frequencies and like trying to figure out everything that was happening? Like most major governments in the world and all of their equipment was significantly stronger and significantly more focused and if none of them have corroborating, a lot more people with a lot more education yeah, working on it yeah. and if none of them have corroborating evidence of this audio like why do we think that these amateur italian bros captured it right but uh, so this recording they got some interesting stuff claims to be of sputnik 2 which had uh Leica the dog on it and they claim to have recorded the heartbeat of that dog. So, okay, the the, the first okay, I just, this, it's ten seconds. Let's yeah, just yeah, listen yeah. to it first. So I'm assuming that beeping that pop up that's like pop-up. sort of audible over pop-up. all the noise. Yeah, pop-up. yeah. So what I don't understand is what's actually making that sound and what's picking it up is it, there's a microphone inside the capsule i guess even though there's only a dog in it and then there's something in there that's not only monitoring the dog's heart rate but is displaying it audibly inside the capsule f- for whom uh i also was wondering if like is this supposed to be one of those it is the only percussive sound in the entire capsule. And so through the side of the capsule, you would hear it as that. Huh? Like there's no sound in the capsule and there's no sound around the capsule. So is the, is what's being picked up just like the, I don't know, like, like tinny reverberation of the only tiny sound in that whole thing. I'm just not sure why that sound would even be happening in the first place. I know. I guess like I, I, what I'm saying, you're saying, is this like a machine that is recording the heartbeat and playing it back? And I'm saying, is this like, is that literally the dog's heartbeat? Is the heartbeat (laughs) inside of a, like a tinny shell in space possible? I can't. Is it possible? Uh, no. Is it capable of making that sound? No. I don't think so no. either, but I don't know. Um, it gets weirder from there. Um, here is one that they claim uh, contains the, quote, dying breaths of a person <laughs> who is inside of some capsule that they picked up on what they claim is a Soviet space frequency. So...
here's one that they claim is from the same flight that was interpreted by their father, who is a cardiologist, to be that same person's heartbeat. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's truly ridiculous. Hell no! Yeah. Uh, I, just, I just don't. It would also be the easiest thing in the world to hoax. Well, we could hoax this from within this room in the next five minutes. Yes. Like probably better than any of the things we've heard so far. <laughs> it's a yes. lot less noise, at least yes. now, 60 years later. Uh, here's, here's the most absurd one, which they claim, uh, is a woman inside of a capsule. This is from 1961. Um, This one's significantly longer, so I'm not going to play the whole thing. But um, it's a woman speaking in in Russian that roughly translates to, isn't this dangerous? Talk to me. Our transmission begins now. I feel hot. I can see a flame. Am I going to crash? Yes, I feel hot. I will re-enter. And the audio sounds something like this. Okay, so I have a problem with this for a variety of reasons. <laughs> That's obviously an Italian woman trying to speak Russian. That's for sure the first <laughs> and I guess largest one. Yeah. In fact, the first time I heard this audio, I was like, it only it sounds more like Italian than it sounds like Russian. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I I didn't have this thought on my own, but makes complete sense is uh, it sounds like kind of unofficial. Like, if you're an astronaut, are you just like, I am hot, I see flame, I'm going to re-enter. If you're about to die in outer space, I don't know. I guess, yeah, you might be skipping some protocol, but, like, a lot of the criticism is that it doesn't even sound like there is an attempt at protocol in any way, shape, or form. I I also, a a question I have about all of these audio clips, this one especially because it is so long, is... The yeah, way, I only played about maybe 20 or 30 seconds of it. The whole recording is about two and a half minutes, but yeah, it sounds mostly like that. The way that I understand radios to work, and I could be wrong, is doesn't it require the channel being like like open in the direction? Like, Don't you have to close your channel to be able to hear someone coming back to you? No. Mm. I'm not sure what you mean. Like... The way that I understand it is like, it's like a walkie talkie. Like I press play so that I can speak through this channel. And then when I stop speaking, I have to like take my hand off the button so I can hear someone speaking back to me on that same frequency. Oh, I don't know. That would be less. Yeah. I don't know how they're, how they're fucking space radios were set up in the 50s i don't either i guess what i was trying yeah what are you getting at i guess my brain was getting at wouldn't it be like hello can anyone hear me i'm burning up and then would we hear something back instead of just this like three minute long open transmission of just a person saying things into a radio well 
I don't know, because that could be a, a, a an effect of how uh, or a consequence of how they were recording it too. If you're just picking up the frequency on which the capsule was transmitting, maybe sure. you're only getting one side of it. I have a distinct feeling that. 612-246-4614 or hi at whatifpodcast.com someone is going to explain I mean, this to us I think regardless of that these recordings are obviously hoaxes yeah they just feel wrong like yeah. it it's is it a is it a cool story yes in fact I think this is one of the funnest parts of this story that two two amateur radio like guys in Italy were able to suss out some like hidden radio communications of like things that weren't supposed to have people on them. And like, maybe the reason is because, well, nobody thought they were supposed to have people on them, which is why they weren't listening for these things. And like, mm. like that's all pretty fun it's and a interesting. Good story. Yeah. It's a great yeah, yeah, story, yeah. but it's also to me the least plausible, <laughs> Yeah, like we're one of the least plausible pieces of this, that two random Italian guys were able to capture like multiple, very significant pieces of audio. Uh, one that, one that isn't really a good piece of audio from this story that is also very interesting is uh, the brothers spoke publicly about another signal that they captured, which uh, if a capsule was orbiting the planet, you would hear it go like basically do the Doppler effect thing where it would be like, getting louder and then it would be at its loudest point and then it would get quieter again as it went around the planet mm. where you were not. That's not quite right. Uh? Sounds moving towards you sound higher in pitch. That's not, it's not a, a volume issue. Okay. They sound higher in pitch because the, the waveform is getting compressed as it moves towards you. Ah. And then will sound lower in pitch as it moves away from you and the waveform gets extended. Is that the same as it relates to like a radio si- signal though, or like a radio beacon. Mm-hmm. Okay. I believe so. Okay. Well, the- I mean, the Doppler effect is, you know, you hear an ambulance go by and the pitch uh, sounds as if it changes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, and maybe Doppler is the wrong phrasing, but anyway, the, the, the idea was that, instead of feeling like they were getting a resurgence of a radio sound, they were getting a radio sound that was just getting softer and softer and like dimmer and farther. Mm -hmm. And their hypothesis that they communicated publicly was that they believed the Russians, sorry, the Soviets had overshot the moon and had actually sent a manned flight out into space that just missed the moon and kept going. So it just got quieter and quieter as they floated into space. Hell no. Uh, Yeah. No, they didn't. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But again, like that's a cool story. That is like an, like an interesting part of this story. I suppose. Um, So the the last, do we want to talk about Vladimir illusion? Yeah, go ahead. Let's, let's, let's do a rundown. This is the last like shared origin of this whole uh, lost cosmonaut hypothesis. Um, some people think that Vladimir Ilyushin actually was the first man in space by five days uh, before Gagarin. And it was allegedly a an orbital flight, so he's going to just go around the planet. And there was some sort of issue that... Uh, made forced him to come back and re-enter the atmosphere 
sooner than they were planning to uh, and ended up landing in China as opposed to Russia. Right. And the story goes that the pilot was then captured and held by the Chinese for a year before being returned to the Soviet Union. Right. Which then explains why we wouldn't have heard about it, why the Soviet Union wouldn't have publicized the fact that they, A, fucked up and got one of their pilots captured by the Chinese. Right. I don't understand quite as much why China wouldn't have publicized that. Seems like that would, in some ways, look pretty good for them. Yeah, a lot of people have said that if Russia, God damn it, if the Soviet Union was trying to cover it up, that China would have probably not been. I don't see why they would have gone along. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't have really had a good reason to because they were not necessarily in like a great spot at the time. One other weird thing about this one to me that uh, makes me lean towards it being not true is that. Uh, Gagarin's flight a week later or five days later only did one orbit. Sure. So if the story is that it was forced, this previous uh, Vladimir Ilyushin flight was forced down early after only a couple orbits, why was that one scheduled to do multiple orbits, but five days later they were only going to do one? Maybe, maybe they were like, "Hey, man, we did we did too many with the Aleutian, and he crashed, so just do one, <laughs> one and lap, then land one safe. lap, get your ass one back laps, down here, land safely. We'll call it good. Get It'll be your easy. Ass to Mars. I feel like uh, that. I feel like that actually would be like a relatively reasonable version of that. The but the thing for me, kind of along those same lines, that I feel like I feel is that's probably not a something you can swap in a matter of days I was literally about to say the thing that is least logical to me is that they had the rockets capsules equipment weather everything on deck to shoot a guy up in seven days and be like I don't know I don't know if it's gonna work well I think it might be crashing soon uh or oh no you crashed all right set another one up and they just right. like reset everything Although, and press launch right I afterwards do love the idea of them just having so many people and so much equipment on deck that they yeah. were just like every afternoon at three o'clock run one up there if it works y- yeah. fucking call the papers yeah exactly like we're just by the seat of our pants put somebody on a rocket today if right. they get back here alive Tell the press. Tell the press. If, if they, they don't, don't they never existed, and neither did any of this. It the, was Ivan Ivanovich. Get, get the photo department on the phone if they yeah, crash. Yeah, for real, for real. Which, honestly, like, you know, to me, who doesn't know anything about history or aviation or anything, seems sort of plausible. Which part? That the Soviets would have just been, like, doing shit all willy-nilly and uh, covering it up if it didn't work. And Well, that's what I meant about... their own horn when, it, horn when it did. Right, and that's what I meant by the Ivan Ivanovich thing is like and i think this is, is great cover it's great cover it would be the best cover you could yeah. possibly have to say anything if you caught a radio transmission with the voice it was a tape recorder if you saw a body it was one of our dummies because why would you there's no reason other than that really to make it look as real as it does right you don't need facial features on that thing no you don't need you. You need a crash. To, you need something that's roughly the size and weight and shape of a human. You don't right. need hair on no. it. And and why do you need why do you need human voices? Right. Well, originally they didn't, but yeah. But I'm saying, like, although I could sort of see that to be like, 
yes, we can hear it, but how intelligible is it versus like sure, that's true. we're getting signal from this this music, but like that's true. If this were a person speaking, is it clear enough to like actually right. comprehend? Right. But it's that like, makes sense to me. That's the right thing to test that system with. Sure. But like all all told, like all combined, it's like slightly too realistic to not feel a little bit like were you trying to have it be as realistic as possible? So when it was real, it was real, and when it wasn't, it wasn't. It makes sense. It makes complete sense. We're obviously then, fully speculating, but it Yes. <laughs> as we as we exclusively do on as this. As if show. we're ever not, yeah. Yeah. But like I think I think the the thing about this story and why it's lived on and why it's so interesting, at least to me, is because when you look at the pattern of behavior and like if you go back to we didn't even talk about this with like the uh, the newspaper photos, but like with the newspaper photos specifically, we we know they were doing this because we have the newspapers with one version of the photo and we right. have the originals. They like sloppily leaked the originals. They're that, all over the internet. If you want to go look. Yeah. yeah. And the before and, and, and afters and, and, are super fascinating. And to sometimes watch it's them. like three, four five versions of a photo. Yeah. Like they, like in one situation, they cropped it one way and edited out this guy in another mm-hmm. situation. They cropped it another way and edited out two guys. Like they replaced the guy with a staircase in this one and a bush. And then this yes, one, yes, I saw <laughs> that same favorite. one. Totally. <laughs> Um, we know that literally in one launch pad explosion, hundreds of people died and literally no press reported it because in the Soviet Union, they owned their, their own, their press. Yeah. They were the same thing. Nobody knew about it publicly for 30 years, literally a week or two weeks before Gagarin did his flight. The guy burned to death. Nobody knew about that for 20 years. Like there's this pattern of behavior that suppresses anything negative about their space program and shows that they were doing attempts at a bunch of stuff that wasn't made public until many, many years later. So because of that, when someone tells me, Oh yeah, uh, some of these red, uh, red soldiers told me that our red cadets were saying that they put a guy in there. Now we have no reason to believe you're credible at all. And in fact, in some ways we think that probably is what happened and that you tried to cover it up because we know you, that's what you do. If there weren't lost cosmonauts, there definitely could have been. Absolutely. I think is where I, where I settle on this one. Absolutely. Like there, there was every opportunity for this to happen. Uh, and every incentive for the Soviets to make it happen, yes, uh, whether it actually did or not. I think, and the, if it did, we probably just wouldn't have ever known. No, and I think the only the only thing that I can think of that goes against it, and I don't even know if I believe it, is like, would it look? Would the participants balk at continuing to participate if one of their own brethren? died in the effort no because we know what happened what do you mean uh valentine yeah 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 i can't remember his last name now uh ben the guy who was burned to death yeah. uh that, that happened in 61 and it's not Bob like Reco. they it's not like people did anything no they kept do they kept doing what they were doing yeah they kept being in their photos they kept pursuing what they were pursuing yeah so it's like they had every opportunity to do it and you know, one of the most interesting facts that I found as it relates to the, not, not the space race per se, but to the like efforts of making it to space uh, across the board, I guess is um, when you actually total up 
countries that have lost people in space, the U.S. has lost significantly more people than the Soviets. Well, officially. Officially. Yeah. But that's my point, is if you were testing more and testing faster to get up there first right? and documented the U.S. has uh, close to like 20-some lost astronauts in our process and documented the Soviets have five? Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Five? Yeah. Did you? Did you really? Did you really have five? I don't Hell know, man. No. That's 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 one of the things. Like, there is there is a there is a list you can find it on. It's it's on Wikipedia. It's called List of Space Flight Related Accidents and Incidents, and they talk about astronaut fatalities during space flight and during training or testing. And the U.S. has significantly more both during training or testing and during space flight than the soviets do stop being a punk by like a lot like by a lot like by 400 uh, percent. the space flight ones are the u.s is over double and in training and testing the u.s is over like uh like 6x and then if you look at the non-fatal incidents during space flight the u.s has like roughly the same as the soviets do What's up with y'all? So like that to me just says, I don't know, like where we, I, I don't know, maybe this is just like some cultural bias being like, we would never be more careless than they would. But like, if you got up there first, I yeah, feel it's like a significant difference for somebody that, for a group that was doing essentially the same thing. Right. Um, at an even more aggressive pace. Right. Which probably meant cutting some corners safety wise to to try to make that first thing because happen. you can't really cut corners on the engineering side, right? Yeah, it seems unlikely at best. It seems unlikely at best. Maybe that's where we have to leave it. <laughs> All right, I'll save my uh, comprehensive list of animals that have been in outer space for the Patreon. I guess. Oh, Patreon.com/slash What If Podcast. Give us your money. Give me you, your money. You can get a second episode every single week, plus access to a back catalog of over 100 episodes of the show. Come see us in L.A. It's whatifpodcast.com slash L.A. Get your tickets. We want to see y'all. Uh, it should be a great show. October 30th at the Satellite. We want to see you there. Uh, if you want to leave us an iTunes review, you can do that, and it's great. And we've gotten so many nice ones lately, and we really, really appreciate that. Uh, if you want to buy gear, we've got gear at shop.whatifpodcast.com. Voicemails can be left at 612-246-4614. Send us an email. <laughs> it's high at whatifpodcast.com. Goodbye. If anybody wants to organize a Chicago meetup next week, do it and tell me where to go, and I'll show up. Love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>